You're listening to the team Top Figure Podcast. Your one-stop shop for entrepreneurship, lifestyle, and motivation. What's going on, everybody? Did you know you're an average of the five closest people to you? Yes, you're an average of those five. One of the hardest things to do at the beginning is to get around like-minded people, people that want to see you win, people that are also winning, mixing with them, exchanging information. Well, we just changed the game. Introducing the daily meetup, where we meet up every single day, Monday to Friday, for an hour. We're going to talk about your goals. We're going to talk about accountability. We're going to hold everybody accountable. We're also doing a book club. We're going to be reading the same book. Imagine reading the same book with everybody, knowing the same chapters, knowing what's going on. Go to thedailymeetup.com. Again, that's thedailymeetup.com. You can try it for a dollar, right? Just a dollar. Come join us for a week. If you don't like it, you leave. If you like it, you stay. You're more than likely going to stay because you got to be around the right people. So I'll see you on the other side. Go to thedailymeetup.com and join us. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Top Figure episode. Today, we have a special guest on the podcast, Beatrice Dixon. She's the founder of The Honey Pot Co. Um, we're going to get deep today. We're going to talk about how she's accomplished all her goals, how they've been crushing it, how they even got into Target. So, Beatrice, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you for asking. Awesome, awesome. Honey pot to be involved. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So let's get right into it. Let, let's go to the start. So when did you start? How did you come up with this idea? You know, you started a whole new market. You guys are the first in your actual industry. So how did you come up with the idea? This this isn't something that just existed that you could just copy someone. So let's start there. Yeah, I'm, well, actually, so like it isn't something that existed through the lens Mm. that 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 we use right like washes wipes pads panty liners tampons creams you know boric acid those things have all have existed but finding a way to do what was being done conventionally um to do it clean that's the thing that has been has really sparked the innovation in the marketplace right and so um but but the way that the way that that, that we got started, I, back in 2000, 2011, 2012, I was suffering with a bacterial vaginosis infection. It would go away, it would come back. You know, it was, it was very consistent, always right after I got my cycle, it was weird, you know, and I just didn't understand what was going on um, because I would go to the doctor, I would take medicine, I would do everything that a woman can do on Google. Like, you know what I mean? It was crazy. And everything that I did, nothing really got to it. Nothing worked. But one morning I had a very vivid dream with my grandmother. And in the dream, her and I were just sitting at a table talking and she handed me a piece of paper and it had a list of ingredients. And she told me that this was what was going to solve my problem. And so, you know, I'm trying to talk to her because I've never met her because she transitioned when I was I wasn't even thought of, right? Like she transitioned when my mother was a child, you know? And so my mom doesn't like, I could be like, mom, I'm doing a podcast and she'll like have her keys and her phone and blow it off. <laughs> she's got bags in her hand and shit. And they're making noise. Like, oh. You got to love moms. Yeah. yeah. They do their own thing, you know? <laughs> but she, you know, she don't have to think about shit like this. So I get it. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, it's okay. All right. So, um, so yeah, like my 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 grandmother transitioned when my mother was young. So I never met my grandmother in this life. My mom didn't even really know her mom. You know what I mean? And so I'm trying to talk to her because I've never met her, and she's like, "No, no, no. That's not why I'm here. I'm here for what's on this paper." And I'm not going to be here very long. So you have to mem- remember what's on the paper. So she just kept telling me to just repeat the ingredients over and over again, right? Apple cider vinegar, water, coconut oil, like, like that. Like I, so I just kept saying it over and over again. And, and if you can imagine, she's on the other side of the table, like, yeah, that's it. Keep doing that, you know? And then I woke up in the dream. She told me to wake up and I woke up. And when I woke up, I woke up saying what I was saying in the dream. 
Wow. So I kept, I had a piece of paper and a pen by the bed because I wrote down my dreams at this point in my life. Like I had that kind of time. <laughs> nah, you definitely got, it's super important to write down your goals because if you don't write them down, they're always in your head. They're just floating. Yeah, but, but not even your, my goals, bro. Like it was literally just the dream. Like I would write down dreams because I'm a dreamer, you know? And, um, and so I woke up, I wrote it down. I worked at Whole Foods at the time. So I went to work, I, you know, within the next couple of days, bought everything because everything was clean, you know? And then I had to make up a formula because she didn't tell me what, how, how much of each thing to use, you know? But I, I have a background in pharmacy and working in IV rooms. So that, that taught me, that helped me to figure out the math on how to figure out how much of each ingredient kind of went into the blend. And yeah, by, by you know, 2012, it, it was, I had started to make it. Basically after I made it for myself, like four to five days after, everything that I was dealing with went away. Cause I had BV at that moment. I was having a bacterial vaginosis infection at that moment. And so I started using it. And within four days, four or five days, everything that I was dealing with was gone. It was crazy, it was like magic. And so from the point that I dreamt to using it for those few days, I wasn't thinking about a business or anything like that. I was just trying to get my coochie together. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, you know, and, and then it worked out and I was like, oh shit, I have to make this into a company. Like, th like this is what I do now, you know? And yeah. Wow. And what was that thought process like of like really making it into that company? Like, what were you going through in your mind? Like, did you know, did you have any experience <laughs> prior yeah. starting a business or anything like that? Mm hmm. I had um, not like that, not a consumer packaged goods business. I didn't have that kind of experience, but I did have. I did have experience in owning a business, having to get customers because I had a, I had a cleaning business mm -hmm. and, you know, with the clean, like I had to find customers. I had to clean their house really well. I had to, you know, so I had the, I had already begun going to the gym of business and building that muscle, you know? So the hustle part wasn't the part that was hard for me because I've been working since I was 14. You know what I'm saying? So that wasn't a thing. Anytime I was like, when, when my mom first told me that I needed to get a job, I was like, run it. That's all you got to say. Right. That's when I was 14. So by this time, my hustle mentality was still crazy. I was, I was cleaning houses. I was organizing closets. I was cooking for people. If I, you know, I wasn't a chef, a proper chef, but I knew how to cook. I was, um, I was an artist model basically where I would go into an art class and they would draw me and I was working at Whole Foods. <laughs> so Straight wow. like, I love that. <laughs> like because the I had is to different. make it, I had to eat, you know, and I'm sure I was doing some other, you know, some other shit to make ends meet that might not be appropriate for this conversation, but you understand what I'm saying? Like that's the level of hustle of, of focus and I'm not gonna not eat mentality that I have, you know? And so, um, but, but, you know, but in the frame of thought of this needs to be a business, right? Um, it, it was, it literally just was like that quick. It wasn't even a, a second. And then what I, what I did was, is for two, almost two years, I gave the product away for free. Mm. And wow. um, yeah, because I, I, I had to make sure that it, that it didn't only work for me. You, you know what I'm saying? I had to make sure that it worked for other people too, you know? And what we saw, cause you know, it was just me and Simon then, um, was my co-founder brother. What we saw was that um, <laughs> mostly all of those women, if they had an issue with their vagina was having the same result. And so that told us that we needed to get out into the world. And, um, and, and then 2014 came and we went to the Bronner Brothers Hair Show, you know, and we sold 600 bottles in a weekend and that told us we had something. So we just kept, we just kept, 
moving it and just focus, you know? Right, right. And what were like some of like the challenges you faced like in that process of like moving up? Because one thing a lot of like our listeners, they're all entrepreneurs and in the e-commerce space themselves. And one thing is really just that scale. Like you really mastered the art of scale, having the right team and people around you, right? To get you to the next level. And you had that hustle driven mindset, right? Like you just, if it needs to get done, it's just done, right? And And that's one thing that's super important. So how would you say would be like that, transition from a small business to where you're at today what was what were like some of the challenges you faced and how did you overcome that i mean we're, we're still a, technically a small business right i mean you're the sba considers a small business anything less than like 90 million or 92 million or something like that so honeypot is still a small business you know um and you know this is always a tough question for me because I, the thing that you just said is that I had a hustle mentality. I'd never want, I, I, I wasn't willing to give up, was willing to do anything. That's more of the content that you need to understand about challenges. Fuck what my challenges were. That doesn't matter, right? Every business is going to have, you guys had a challenge starting this damn podcast, right? It's the same principle. It doesn't matter. You're 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 taking something out of your mind and then turning it into turning it into something that's tangible and real, right? Um, and and so the the thing that you have to understand is 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 the the thing that the difference between me and a person who has decided. Um, I'm not going to say whose business has failed because that doesn't necessarily come from somebody deciding they were going to fail. Sometimes that shit just happens, right? But a person who wasn't willing to do to 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 fight and to and to do anything and everything to make it work. The only difference between me and them is that I'm willing to do anything to make it work. There there's there there is not uh um and also the opportunities that I've had right? We've had really amazing opportunities come our way. Like that, you know, that shit matters, right? Like I, I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody is going to, is going to be able to do what we've been able to do. Cause that shit, that shit's just not, it's, it's, it's realistic in that it can happen, but, but it's not realistic in that um, there's a little bit of luck there's a little bit of, of, um, of, of hustle. There's a lot of hustle. There's a little bit of grit. There's a little bit of focus. There's a little bit of, of, um, of, of crazy, right? Like there's Risk a little too. bit of a bunch of shit that makes up being able to scale. You know what I mean? And, and, and the, the, the thing is, is you just have to be willing to keep your ear to the ground, forefront of your mind this is what you do for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, drinks, right? Like the, the intense amount of focus is almost biblical. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, yep. and, um, and honestly, that's all that it takes. Cause when you, when you got all that, you, you're here for it, whatever comes. No, okay, cool. No for that, but what about this? Like, no doesn't exist for me, right? Um, I don't want to hear about like if I come up with if if we with, with our team, right? If 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 I come up with an idea or somebody else comes up with an idea, don't shit on my idea or their idea. Don't shit on that, right? Like, what is the process for if that could happen? Right. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't ever I don't ever just say no. Right. It's always like, OK, what would be the path to it? Let's see how that path would work out. And then if and then and, and then if the if the path doesn't like we're working on some innovation stuff, we ran into a brick wall. Cool. That means that shit can't happen next year, but it's going to happen the year after. Right. Because we, we just got to we got to. We got to grind through this brick wall. 
And I think that that's all that you need. You have to be willing to grind through the wall and you have to be willing to be your own mentor, right? And you have to be willing to listen to people and, and to just do any and everything that you can. Now, if you do any and everything that you can and it's still not coming to fruition, um, then that's the time for you to make a decision. Is this what I wanna do, right? Is this gonna work? If you've been doing something for 10 years and you still getting the same result, chances are you might need to think, you might for five years, two years for me, like I'm not gonna just keep doing the same shit, right? But if, if, you're, if you're in that situation, you really need to assess the situation and understand if this is gonna work so you can get to the next thing. But if, you, if your situation is, plentiful and it's still hard and you still don't know what you're going to do because nobody knows what they're going to do. No, anybody that tells you that they know how to do this shit, nobody knows how to do this. 100%. You understand? Even if, if especially if this is your first time, first time, founder. I'm a, technically a first time founder, me and my brother, right? Like we don't know what we're doing. That's why we have to hire a team. So, so we, so they can tell us what to do. Right. But, you know, so uh, that was a long answer for It's deep. It's important. Yeah, I love it. It's you deep. know, it, that that was a long answer for you have to be willing to do anything. You not hurt anybody or anything. I don't mean like that. I mean, like, you have to be be willing to, like, check under the boxes, look around. You got you have to be willing to do the the work the stuff that that um that you really can't find words for yeah yeah you know? um because that that stuff it's it's like how um it's like how humans and everything that exists on our planet we're all made of the same stuff it's just the cells came together in a different way right yeah. Right. And, and the consciousness decided to be human, decided to be a bird, decided to be a tree, decided to be, you understand, like when I'm the stuff that I'm talking about. Um, inside of you is the person who's founding your company, who has a dream, who wants to make that dream come alive, who wants to scale that thing, maybe sell that thing one day. Um. I, again, I don't know what the words are, but but you have to have that that thing under there. The fire. Um, yeah, it's like a fire. It's like the way that people love their religion, right? You know, for all intents and purposes, your your business is one of your new religions because you have to you have to have such a blind faith that it's going to work. That's the other thing. You have to know that you know that you know that this shit's gonna work out. Doesn't matter what happens, everything's gonna be fine, right? It, I mean, the, the we've there's been times where we've where we've been where we had to raise money. Our first time raising money, there was an expiration date to it. Like we had to have a certain amount of money by like in like six months and if you I don't know if you guys ever raised capital but like you you can't you can't put a number on when you're gonna have you can't put a time necessarily on when you're gonna have the shit raised because that's a thousand percent out of your control but when you gotta do it guess what you'll do you're gonna do it <laughs> you, you'll do it right because you gotta get it done and, 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 and you have to get it done while being stressed about the thing that you have to get it done for. You, you, you have to get it done while trying to prove to people that, um, that the thing that they're investing in is going to be the thing, right? And it's gonna scale and it's gonna grow and it's gonna do all this, all this amazing stuff. But you have to believe it while being stressed, while not having any fucking money, while trying to figure out um, how you gonna pay your bills, how you're gonna eat, if you got kids, how you're gonna take care of them babies. Like you have to do all of that 
while running a business, mm. right? And, and so that's what I mean by it almost has to become a new spiritual, a new way of life for you. It's, it's not for the faint at heart. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Definitely not. Definitely not. Wow. You spent so much gems in that in that moment that had me thinking. So how, how how did you guys let's let's get into raising a little bit. Right. You know, being black, being minority, you know how hard it is to go out there and raise funding. You know, we don't get the same opportunities. We don't get the same connections. We don't get the same intros, you know, and a lot of our listeners are actually minorities. So how did you overcome that hurdle? You know, I know you were uh, we listened to your Breakfast Club uh, interview, by the way, that was a good interview. And you mentioned like it's super hard. It was not for anybody. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, raising money is hard for anybody, maybe a little less hard for a Caucasian male that went to Stanford. Shit might be hard, less hard for a a, a black guy who went to Stanford or, or a woman who went to Stanford, right? Or, or whatever these Ivy League schools are um, because they have the opportunity of their relationships, right? Um, you know, but everybody, I, I, I tried, if you would have asked me this question a few years ago, I would give you a completely different answer. But my answer is now, you do not focus, if you are a black woman listening to this, don't focus on your vagina and don't focus on your skin color. If you are a person of color, don't even fucking think about the disparity. Don't even think about, don't even put it in your mind because if it goes in there, understand that it's there. It's just like racism and sexism and all the isms that were fucking made up so that so that there could be order perceived order in the world right all these things are social constructs that were made up die to the construct and focus on what you got to do don't think about your vagina don't think about your skin don't think about your opportunities don't think for a second that you have less opportunities than anybody else think i've got all the opportunities in the world i need to raise this money be willing to go. There's so many fucking podcasts now and clubhouses and 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 funds that are, have started for, for, for BIPOC humans and women and right. Like there's so much access that that at this point isn't even a real thing. The disparity isn't actually not really here anymore, mm -hmm. honestly. I mean, when you got fucking Goldman Sachs coming out with a $10 billion fund for, 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 for minority women-owned businesses, when you've got New Voices Fund about to launch their second fund, right? When you've got that, it's actually not a disparity anymore. So I think that we need to change and lift our vibration and understand if you need to get this bread, there's so much bread out here, right? If you can't go, you these days you can just pull up on somebody on fucking LinkedIn. You can just DM somebody on um, social media. When me and Sai were doing it back in the day, like you have, you know, still today you have to have relationships. I'm not gonna act like that's not a thing, right? I'm just saying there is only a few degrees of separation no matter what's going on. If you got the right financial data, if you have a business that's scaling, if you're getting into a major mass, mass market retailer, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to raise money right now, right? Honestly, honestly, because, and, and, if, you're, and if you're finding yourself in a pinch and like you're not able to reach people, you need to go inside yourself and understand what are you thinking about this raising process and how are you processing it? And do you really believe that you can get this money together? Do you think it's a lot of money, right? Because what, what I think a lot, of, a lot of money is right now, what I thought a lot of money was back then when I first raised, you know, in my mind, if I had to do it all over again, I, I wouldn't have raised less than, $5 million, right? Honestly, I just wouldn't have.
That's a gem right there. Yep. But 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 when you're coming up and you're in and, and and you know and you've never done this before, that shit and you've never seen that much money before. That shit seems like a lot of money, but that is not a lot of money when you are running a business that needs to scale. Right? So figure out what's going on inside of you mentally and try to break down whatever those blockages are. That is the first order of business. What is the thing that makes, that gives you butterflies in your stomach, right? Everybody's nervous on their first and second raise. Everybody is, I don't give a shit who you are. It's hard, right? But you really have to go inside yourself and create almost a meditation around how you're gonna get the money. How do you think about it? How do you feel? You have to know that you know that you know that you can raise whatever amount of money you need. You have to know that and you have to feel comfortable with it because when you're pitching, you're pitching to capitalists typically, right? And a capitalist can smell your fucking fear and they're not judging it, right? But what a capitalist will judge is if they see your business model and understand that that's a business model where you should really be raising some more money, right? Or, um, you know, or they're going to smell it when they're giving you the valuation. Don't evaluate your company too high. Don't evaluate, don't evaluate it too low, right? Um, you know, and, and all the, all these things are kind of the art of war when you're thinking about raising capital, but how you feel about it is important, right? Because you could be blocking yourself, which is, in, which is communicating through your pitch. That's, that, that is one of the most important things that I didn't really understand until pitching many, many, many times. You know, you have to know and feel, know that you know that you can do it that you can raise this money, that you can put this money to work, that you can build the team that you need to build, that you can go after the retail that you need to go after, that you can hire the brokers, right? That you can, that you can build a powerful um, e-commerce business, right? Um, you have to know that inside and, and be clear on that, like crystal clear on that. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be perfect, especially if it's your first time around. Nobody expects perfection, right? Um, and the other thing is making sure that when you go into these places that you are 1000% yourself. If you've got tattoos, don't try to cover them, be who you are, right? If you wear jeans and a nice shirt every day, wear that shit, right? Be who you are, go into that conversation comfortable because you're a founder of a company. Nobody expects you to be in a suit and tie. In fact, that shit might be weird unless that's your personality. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, it's um, raising the capital is hard. And I, I just gave a lot of pointers on way, ways of, around making it less hard, but don't make it about disparity. Do not come from a place of lack because if you do that, you're fucking playing yourself. You are, and you're not gonna get to where you need to get to because you're focusing on the wrong shit. When you're raising money, the only thing you got time to focus on is how you're gonna get this bread, how you're gonna present these P&Ls, how are you gonna talk about your EBITDA? How are you gonna talk about how you're gonna get to profitability? What are the next 10 products you wanna do? What's the problem in the market? You've got too much shit to worry about than to be given a fuck about a disparity or your vagina, or your skin color. You are a human being that is an earthling that lives on this planet with all the other human beings. Get the other uh, conditionings out of your mind. Wow. Wow. That's, that's it. That's powerful. Like that. I'm, that's the truth. This is this is deep. That's that's honestly the reality. And you, like you said, like it's what you get that belief pattern out of your head, right? And you know, you whether you need to get around other people who don't have that belief pattern. And I think that's the biggest part, right? Mm -hmm. If you're around people that like with limited mindsets and not having the abundance mindset, um, you mentioned something important that at the beginning I should have asked for more, right? So when we're starting something and when we're starting our business too often, like we're attached to it and we 
we undervalue it. You know, we just think like, oh, this is just enough. This is what I need. But when you're running a company to scale, like you got advertising to pay for, you got product costs to pay for, you got people to pay for, you got strategy sessions to pay for. There's all these other expenses that you're not thinking of and in, in that moment when you're asking for the money, right? So you're, when you guys were first raising, right? What what were some things that you were you were just thinking about? You're like, okay, we gotta we know one of the most important things in every company we know is advertising, right? You can't scale without advertising. It's next to impossible now, especially with social media and everything. So was that something in the back of your mind when you were first asking for that initial round? It was, but the thing you have to understand about Honeypot is we were going into Target, right? So like we were already positioning ourselves to be a volume retailer. We didn't have a lot of capital, right? Even when we did, even when we did our, our first venture capital round, it, was, it, it wasn't enough to be able to grow a digital only brand, a direct to consumer brand, because that is expensive. That is tens of millions of dollars, right? Um, so what we decided, really what my, my brother and co-founder decided was that um, we would just, we would be lean and, and we would rely on the, on the programs that the retailers, not like gave to us, but that were affordable for where we were, you know? So that might've been, um, it's, it's called a TPR, which means temporary price reduction. I mean, I don't know what the fee was, but it wasn't what it would be if you were doing like a big coupon campaign or, or an off-shelf campaign or something like that. You know, it was doable based on where we were. And so we had to just keep, we had to keep growing in retail in order to, to get the volume up in order for us to, in order for us to survive, frankly because we didn't raise the amount of money that you have to raise um, when, when you wanna be a big scaled direct-to-consumer brand. So, um, but that was good for us. It actually worked out because I think that when you raise too much money too fast, what do you do? Just throw money at shit, right? You got a problem, throw some money at it. When you don't have the money to throw at it, you actually have to think through the problem, right? And, um, and so I'm, what I wanna say is even if you find yourself in the position where you're able to raise a lot of money, right? Still run that operation lean, efficient, and invest in the things that are like really invest. Like if you've raised a lot of money, then you can really invest in marketing that you've tested and that you know is gonna work, right? But don't just throw out a bunch of money towards your test. Understand what the market is saying, understand what those results are saying. And then once you find what works, then you, you keep duplicating that and then you keep doing that, right? But, you know, so for us, because we really had to like <laughs> fucking rub wooden nickels together, you know, we had to, you know, we had to like make a dollar out of 15 cents, man. And, 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 and that's what we did. And that's, you know, even how we still run our business today. You know, we don't, we, we don't just throw money at things. Um, we work really hard to understand what we're putting and investing our money in. And, um, you know, and, and that's how we've had to be since the start. So advertising was something that we thought about, but um, it, <laughs> we're just now at the point where we're about to start advertising pretty heavily. So, yeah, so you said, uh, so retail, going back to retail, yeah, right? Target, how has that really, and like, you know, the ad, everybody pretty much has seen that very viral ad, right? That that went viral. How was that um, really impactful for your business? You know, it did, and did that, did your business get a lot of attention in a good or bad way? How, how did that really affect your business? How, how did that really affect your business? Oh man, it got, it got, it got attention. It just got attention. You know, I don't care if it was good or bad. 
<laughs> attention is currency. I say that I'm 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 playing. I say that because the original attention that we got was negative, right? Like it came from it came from a place, it came from a lack of understanding and from cultural opinions, right? And and so to some that might seem like it came from a bad place, but to me, I don't see that as a bad place. I see that as I have an opinion, you have an opinion, we're both entitled to it, right? And so um, either way, I respect all those people that had those crazy, weird, terrible things to say uh, because they are entitled to say whatever they feel right? Like, I can't tell them how to do that. Um, you know, but what worked out is that our loyal community and following made that moment turn into something that was remarkably a hundredfold more um, on the opposite side of the spectrum of what these humans were over here trying to do, right? So, yeah, it's... Um, um, so it, it was amazing and, and, and it was like the best thing that ever happened to our company. And, um, and I am eternally grateful for Target. I'm eternally grateful for Black Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Black my, Twitter is real good. It was a girl that did a tweet. I can't, I don't remember her name right now, but she put up a tweet. And it just set, it just, she had a really big following and it just took off. And I'm grateful to every human. Um, it doesn't even matter what color your skin is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful for all of it, man. I'm, I'm grateful for the person that said that our pads made their vagina smell like menthol cigarettes and malt liquor. Wow. Because that was fantastic racism. Like it was, you know? Yeah, right, right. And it was hilarious. <laughs> it still makes me laugh till today, you know, because like, you know, it's 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 cool. You know what I mean? Like, so it was a it was a beautiful experience. And one of the most beautiful parts of it is that I did not know that that was how I would react. Yeah. I I didn't know that that. I didn't know that the work that I was doing on myself would garner that type of a non-reaction. And so I'm grateful for that too. That's yeah, amazing. no, the reaction, that's that's something important you mentioned there because uh, about, about like 11 months ago now, we also went viral for a racial incident at the gym here in Minneapolis. And like people were just shocked with how we reacted to it. They thought we we're gonna react aggressive or just act mad or give them the reaction they expected. But it's just like you, you just kind of don't give them the reaction they want, right? You don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and Black Twitter would run with it. Social media runs with it, and they're just like, wow, look how these people handled handled themselves. Mm -hmm. So that was super important the way you handled yourself, and it really showed the character of yourself and like your company and what you guys stand for and like how just hateful comments won't like hurt your brand's values right the value still stays the same right you guys served lots of customers and there's going to be returning customers there's loyal customers at the end of the day the ones that hate they're just gonna they're just literally adding more eyeballs to your yeah. to your to your brand mm -hmm. yeah you know and even when they don't add more eyeballs to the brand right like they are fully um capable of feeling that way like if that's how you want to feel just understand that that is yours right like it's not mine you know that's that's your shit i'm gonna stay abundant over here with my shit and then you know and 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 i hope that how you feel works out for you right like but what i what i won't do is allow that frame of feeling to affect me. And normally the only time that it affects me is if it's somebody that I really, um, that, that, that I love, that, um, that I have a deep relationship with, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and on some level, like, 
I love all of humanity. So, you know, um, I, I love everything on this planet, good or bad. And I, and I accept it for what it is, I, you know? So yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful for all the opportunities. And, and Target is just such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful partner. You know, I mean, they are just, they really care. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that they set the, they're creating the culture to be that, that you can be about profit. You can be about growing your business. You can be about all those things and still care and still invest in communities. And you know what I mean? Like all these things can, can exist together, you know? And I think that what they're doing is they're creating an example for the rest of, you know, of, of retail, you know? And, and I'm grateful that I got to be and get to be a part of the fabric of what that is, you know? Wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so let's get deeper into that, right? You're in, targets now you know you're in all are you in all the stores yes okay in, so you not everything is in every door of target but there are certain parts of the line that are in every door of target does that make sense yeah okay perfect perfect so your brand is everywhere in target right so like what was what was that like how did how, how did that even like come to your mind like okay i want to be in target right how, who did you pitch like who, who was it you contacted? How did you contact them? Like, that doesn't seem like an easy process to do, right? Now what's very common is, like, you just start your own brand, um, you sell to people, and maybe they reach out to you. Maybe, like, Target or Walmart will want you. So, like, well, how would something like that? Okay. Mm, nice. Oh, so they reached out. Target reached out to us. One of the buyers at Monique Benoit, she's no longer there, but she... she um, she reached out to us because she had heard about us, I think from her hairdresser. And she went home and looked it up and um, <laughs> and sent an email to our support email. And, um, and that's how it got started. But I think that it is important for me to say that um, my work experience has literally prepared me for this moment, right? Like, I worked as a pharmacy tech technician for nearly 10 years. I'd stopped doing that, started a cleaning, organizing, cooking business, decided that I didn't want to do that because I, I didn't make money unless I was cleaning or cooking or whatever, right? And so then I kept doing that as a hustle, but then I got a job at Whole Foods working in Whole Body, which is like Whole Foods version of a pharmacy, right? And then, so I'm like an apothecary, if you will. So then the next thing from there is I went to be a broker and I worked for a bunch of brands, like a hundred brands. The brokerage was called Wildfire Sales. So basically when I worked at Whole Foods, um, if you came into Whole Foods, you were my customer. When I went to be a broker, then Whole Foods became my customer, right? And then I left that. And I went to work at a startup called um, Rhythm Superfoods, which is a kale chip company. And so I say all that to say that like, you know, the alignment that happened for me is not the norm, right? So I knew how I had, when, 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 by the time I was able to talk to the buyer at Target, I knew how to talk to a buyer because that was my job, right? Oh. That was my job. Like, that's what I did for like six years or four, four or five years. I talked to buyers. I got products into stores, right? Um, and I, and I, and I, I was a traveling salesperson. Like, that's what I did for work while also doing Honeypot, right? Because Simon and I started Honeypot in 2012 you, you know, and, um, but we didn't launch it till 2014, but we were still doing it the whole time. You know what I mean? And so when it came time, when it, when it, when I can tell you what you need when you want to talk to a retailer, right? You need to have sales data. You don't talk to a retailer if you have not figured out how to make 
at least, bare minimum, at least a quarter of a million dollars, right? And, and if I were you, I'd try to be more at the half a million to a million dollar mark um, because then when, when you're talking to Target, you're talking to them and saying to them, look, I have figured out how to make a million dollars on my own. This million dollars could be being funneled through your retail stores, right? Because I'm already doing a million dollars worth of business. Um, the other thing that's really important is that if you're already doing a million dollars worth of business, right, then what that says is that you know how to manage a million dollars worth of supply chain, which means something. That means you know how to deal with the logistics, you know how to, you know how fulfillment works. There's just certain shit that you have to know how it works because otherwise, how would you be making a million dollars, right? The building blocks of, even though that's a very small level, but the building blocks are still the same. And it's important that you, that you illustrate to, to the retailer that you understand what to do, right? That's A. But when you're, when you're pitching to them, you're pitching to them kind of the same way you're pitching to an investor. What's the problem? What's your story, first of all? What's the problem? How did you come up with the solution, right? Understanding your, your year over year growth. It's important that you have year over year growth because you know you need to illustrate to them that they'll have year over year growth, right? Um, you know, uh, don't just go into a retailer and pitch them one product. It's probably better to pitch between three and four, right? Because, or, yeah, because you because you don't want your product, if you only are pitching one thing, it's gonna get lost on the shelf, right? Understand how to innovate because once you get into Target, you gotta stay there, mm. right? Into any retailer, you have to stay there. And the way to stay there is you have to come back every single year. It takes a year to get into a retailer, right? Whether it's Target, Walmart, Wall, it doesn't matter. Every retailer has a category review schedule. So if you're just getting started and you're trying to figure it, you, and you, you do have a business that's made money online, you're ready to talk to retail and do that, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can, you can hire yourself a broker who, and that's literally like Googling target broker, Walmart broker, right? Don't be afraid of Walmart either, you guys. Everybody's afraid of Walmart. Like if I get in Walmart, it's gonna know Walmart has fucking 4,500 doors. You wanna get into Walmart, right? Um, but you you Google a broker and you, and you, even if you just wanna get the information, you just have a meeting and a consultation and you talk to them, you tell them what you're, what you're doing and what you've been able to do. And you have to figure out from this broker when your category review schedule is. So, you know, this month it might be body care. Next month it might be lotion. The month after that, it could be snacks, right? It, every single month is typically a category review season. It just depends on what, what part of the store, right? Like, like, for example, in feminine care, like that June, July, August, September, that's my category review season. That's when we're meeting with most of our retailers to talk to them about what's gonna happen this time next year, right? So right now is when all of our new retail, all of our new innovation is coming out, right? So boom, so, so you, you, you figure out how, when, it, when it's gonna be, it's really important that you go into that when, it, you know, if, if you're able to get a meeting, it's really, and the other thing that's cool is, is a lot of these retailers have accelerator programs. Right, so look into Target Accelerate, Target's Accelerator program. Walmart has a thing called an open call. Go and try to figure out the information for that. Only focus on one of the two initially. Focus on one retailer in the beginning. You're not ready for anything else, right? And you're probably gonna focus on that retailer for like two years. You're not gonna go anywhere else, right? Unless you've got, unless you've raised a lot of money and you're able to hire a team and you know what I mean?
But if it's still super, super, super indie and small, focus on one retailer and get good at that retailer. And that normally takes two to three years. You understand what I'm saying? And then, but the thing that you have to understand is that every, this is where people get lost. Every fucking time you're going to sit down with your, with your, with your, with your buyer every year, you need to be going in with a new innovation, right? And, 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 and I'm, I'll give y'all the game. What you do is, is whoever your initial retail partner is, you make that your, um, you make that partner, your innovation partner. You're in them before you're in anybody else, right? So what you do is, is you, 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 you give them an exclusive in the beginning because you know you're not gonna go to any retail for a couple of years anyway, right? So you give them an, an exclusive. And then when you're ready to go to retail by the time, because exclusives only have to be six months a year, right? It don't need to be forever. You don't do exclusives forever. You only do it for, for an extended period of time so that it gives that retailer a leg up, right? So what you do is, is, is you give them the exclusive and then the next year when you're going out to the market, right? You're gonna show the retailer for next year that, that you're talking to in the next year, say it's Walmart, for example, right? Then you'll take what you did exclusive at Target, put that into Walmart the following year after it's been in Target for a year and you just keep that cycle. Right. And so you, you constantly have kind of a, a launching or, or um, innovation partner. Right. That doesn't mean that you give everything, everything to them at, at an exclusive, but it doesn't hurt to offer them one or two exclusives a year or three or four exclusives a year based on based on what you're presenting. Right. So. To, to sum up what I'm saying, you have to have a pitch deck right? You have to have products that first, the first products that you get into a retailer are your top selling best products. If you got 10 products, don't go with all 10, go with your top four, right? Um, and then, you know, and, and make sure that you send real product to the buyer, even if it's following years later and you're starting to get into your innovation pipeline, right? Because it takes a year to bring a product out. So even if you're going in to, to, the, to, to meet with your retailer the following year to show them new products, still take them real physical prototypes. Do not put it on a fucking computer screen. Nobody wants to believe in something that's just on a computer screen. You can do that once you've proven yourself, but in the beginning, you, you can't. And there's the company we use is called Rapid Prototype. They're out of Bentonville, right? Um, and you know, and 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 so you know, all, all the things, all the things that I said, um, you know, and and just make sure that you're coming with the best, hottest that you have. And oh, that was the other thing I wanted to say. When you're thinking about product innovation, it has to tell a story. Don't be a don't be a candle company. And then next week you come out with a fucking face line. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Right? Don't make body care and then be like, oh, I want to do, uh, don't make a body wash and a body butter and then be like, oh, I want to do toothpaste. No, you, you have to tell the story. You have to get there first, right? If you know, if you make a body care product, then you want to make sure that you exhaust the possibilities with that, right? If you make hair care, you want to make sure that you exhaust the possibilities so that you can make it down. It's just like reading a book. You can't, you don't go from chapter one to chapter fucking 20. You go from chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and it needs to make sense. They call what they call it is a right to win. You have the right to win in a space. Right. So with honeypot, I have to exhaust everything that centers around the vagina before I go outside of the vagina. Right. Because that's what customers know you for. So that's another thing. 
make sure that your product innovations make sense. And then the, the last thing that I'll say, um, I, I'm trying to remember it, is, is that um, never go meet with that buyer on that yearly and don't have a fucking idea. Don't do that. And don't start having an idea a couple months before you're going to the meeting. Cause you're not gonna, right? Like you, you need to be stewing on that. And if you're not a person who understands how it, product innovation, that might be one of the first people that you need to hire. If volume retail is the play that you're trying to make. Wow, okay, wow, that's, that's a lot of gems, guys. I hope you guys are taking notes and applying these things. Okay, so you're in all the stores, right? So do you have to front all of the inventory yourself? Like, are you paying for all the inventory? Up oh, yeah, yeah. That's oh. another reason why you have to raise money. Oh, because wow, okay. Look, re retailers are just, all that they're doing is saying yes to the space. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You have to, you still have to pay slotting fees. You still, let me see. I don't think I have anything. Let me just make sure. You still have to pay slotting fees. You still, you still have to pay for all your shit, right? You still have to buy the inventory. You still have to like build inventory. So you can't just, you don't just build what you need. You have to build like, if, if you're smart, 12 to 16 weeks of that inventory so you have to get you have to go to the retailer and, and get the retailer to give you a, um a, like projections because they'll give you projections and then you have to build your inventory based on those projections but you don't if they say that they're going to order because the retailer orders every week so if they say if they say on their projections that they're going to order two thousand units a, a week or something like that, or 200 units a week. You don't want to just order for 200 units a week. You want to order, you would want to, you probably want to order three to 4,000 units so that you could cover many weeks just in case it gets on the shelf and does amazing, right? And then if it gets on the shelf and it, and it doesn't turn exactly the way you want it to, which take, which again, FYI, that shit takes time right? It's, it takes time. It's, it's not, it's not like that. You know what I mean? You, you might be in a retailer for six months before you get to the, the minimum movement that they want you to, you know, but yeah, you, you're fronting all of that shit, all of it. And you don't get paid from the retailer. Maybe, maybe if you're lucky net 45, but that's not realistic. It's really like net 60, net 90. That's when you're getting your money, and it's going to be less two percent because of because of what's called shrink. And if they pay you sooner, then they're going to take some money out for that too. Whoa. Okay. That's why you have to have capital. You gotta have capital. You can't just try to go in there thinking it's sweet because they're gonna. These are sharks at the end of the day. Which is partially why which is partially why volume retail isn't for the faint at heart because, 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 um, and we didn't know what we were doing. We made zillions of mistakes. So don't think that you can't make mistakes. You can, I mean, everybody does, right? Like we still make mistakes. Like that's nobody expects perfection. It's just that when you fuck up, you have to be like, yo, I fucked up, but I'm going to fix it. Right. And this is my plan. You know what I mean? You can't go hide under a rock. You can't try to sell bullshit. Don't do that. You have to be honest. You have to say you fucked up and then you just keep it moving, right? So, you know, if, if it comes up that you fucked up, right? Like don't throw yourself under a bus, right? If nobody's noticed that you fucked up, then you just fix it quickly. Yeah. And then, you know, you just pull a Houdini and you keep it moving. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think would say, uh, what do you think would say like was one of your like first big mistakes? You were like, oh snap, I think we messed something up. And how did you overcome that? Oh man. We had um damn, I can't say that on on this, bro. I can't say that because oh, I, I okay. can't I nah, can't do that. Yeah. Nah, no but, worries, no worries. but all that I will say is they were definitely there, right? And we just had to just figure it out. 
you know, I mean, because that's the things you have to understand about business. Anything that can happen will fucking happen. Mm-hmm. It will. Right. Shit will hit the fucking fan. Do not play yourself. It will. And it's all in your reaction, your timing. You can have a moment to lose your shit, but you, that moment is short lived. Right. You, you can't take the weekend. But by Monday, you got to have your shit together. You cannot be, you know, and it might still fester and bother you. And that is fine. But you don't have time to be to, to be under a rock crying, stressing. You have got to figure out how to get it done and how to sort it out. And you've got to put your brain on. You got to get, you got to get out of your head negatively and get into your head proactively so that you can get into your body, so that you can think about what you have to do to get this shit done. And you can't do that if you're in your feelings. You can't do that. You know what I mean? So, and 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 that doesn't mean that that you're that it doesn't still bother you, right? Because I've got like 10 things going on that still bother me, but I can't focus on them bothering me. I have to focus on execution. What are we doing? What's plan A, plan B, plan C? Cool, you know? Wow. And like you said, like put the blinders on, just be, you know, like so committed faithfully that you're just, you know, but that's why, bro, that's why you have to be so into it. You can't be all over the place. If you want to get into this business, don't do this and then try to run fucking three under it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. If this is the type of business you want to get in, you may be able to do that shit later, right? But this first one, it has to have, it takes everything. Your heart, your soul, your mind, because you have to be able to think fast. You don't, you, you can't, you know what I mean? You have to be decisive. You have to be focused. You got, you have to like. You have to commit. You have to commit. Right. Because when you're really committed and shit comes up, you can get through that. Right. You can get through that. You can figure it out. You can figure out how to how to fucking just like in Shawshank Redemption. He fucking he didn't climb. He went through shit, man. He literally swam through shit to get out on the other side. And sometimes that is what you have to do. But you have to understand it's going to stink. It's going to, it's going to, you're going to vomit. You're going to be sick. But all the stink, the vomit, the sick, the shit, none of that shit matters. All that matters is what's on the other side. What's on the other side. And, 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 and when you're climbing through shit like that, all you can think about is the other side. Because if you think about where you're at for a minute, right? (laughs) <laughs> you worried about the wrong thing. That's a minute. That's a minute that you could have just kept climbing. You got to keep swimming. You just got to keep moving, you know? And, and so that's why it's almost religious. That's why it's the, the, the people that make it, the people that are really in there that, that really do this shit. That's why they're, they're, they're wickedly successful because they're so focused, you know? Um, wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. Man, this podcast was probably one of my favorite episodes favorite, we same. did so far. <laughs> the, you went, like, you really went into, Broke like, details of, like, how to get into retail. Like, there's a lot of people that watch it have brands and they have all these small brands. Now they know how much, how much, uh, in revenue they should have before even attempting this. Now they know what a broker is. I don't even know all these things. You just dropped all these gems and it's really important. That's why knowledge is the most important thing. Like if you don't go out and seek the knowledge, you're never going to know these things, right? Like I learned like so much in this episode and you know, we truly appreciate you for definitely coming on the podcast, sharing all the knowledge, sharing all the gems. Um, let people know where they can find you, where they can find your company, how they can support everything. Let them all know. So you can find me at I am B Dixon, B E A D I X O N. You can find the honey pot at the honey pot co. 
Um, you can also go to our website, thehoneypot.co or thehoneypot.com because we own both. Um, what I would recommend because we're in, we're in Target, Walmart, Walgreens. I mean, we're in mo mostly, mostly all retailers. So what I would suggest is that you go to our store locator, put in your zip code and it'll tell you where we are close by. And the other thing, um, if you're gonna go to the store and buy it, I would call the store to make sure that they have what you want. Um, also your best bet could just be ordering it digitally and just waiting for it to come in the middle. Awesome. Awesome. You and guys make sure, heard it. Yeah. And make sure when you guys are at the retail store, make sure you tag them on social media because social media is huge and social proof is huge. Right. And we've seen some of your ads. You guys are really good at use, uh, user generated content. You guys leverage the, yeah, the customers. That's honestly one of the best things in e-commerce right now is user generated content. Cause that's the best social proof you need. Your if customers. the customers is talking about you and sharing your stuff, that's all you need, you know? Exactly. Thank you. I appreciate you for saying that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. We, you know, dropped it all. This is crazy. As you guys know, we give you endless keys to open all the doors and we bring the top guests to share all their experience. Make sure you guys like, share, comment and subscribe. Thank you guys. Mm -hmm.